Welcome to the Comfort Feed, episode 9 of season 2. I'm Catherine Cleary. And I'm Juliana Edelman. And this week we hear from a man who truly loves restaurants, but isn't always made to feel at home in them. Getting to your table, the disruption you cause to the other diners, you know, you stick out like a sore thumb. And we talk to a computer scientist who has tapped into an unusual source to solve some of these problems. Uh, We're working with the European Space Agency to look at satellite imagery and how we can identify those spaces ahead of time for people. It's all about quality information this week, so make yourself comfortable and take a listen to the Comfort Feed. We are Hello. back in a world with restaurants, Juliana. I passed one today and I looked in and the lights were on and there were people eating in it. Um, it's nearly normal, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Ireland is looking pretty lucky in the uh, reopening stakes at the minute. So uh, hopefully everyone has a safe time enjoying the new indoor amenities that are open and good luck to the restaurants um, who are trying to keep their customers safe. Yeah, I suppose this week's episode is very much about restaurants and people who love them and people maybe who have difficulties getting into them. That that sort of idea, there's an interesting idea that one of the guests, Matt McCann, talks about that idea of life with limitations, which I think we've all come to know pretty well in 2020. Um, And his take on that is quite interesting in that he says, you know, this is how many people like him who have mobility issues have to uh, navigate difficulties. I think back in the day when you were doing the restaurant review column, uh, Catherine, you met at least one of the guests who is on the podcast this week. That's right. Jonathan O'Grady got in touch with me to say, yeah, you gave that restaurant a wonderful review. It sounds like an amazing place. I would love to go there, but I can't because it's not accessible to wheelchair users. Um, So we ended up meeting, having a lovely dinner in Fish Shop, which is now sadly gone. And uh, I found what he had to say extremely interesting. So we had a great natter and I said, um, I'd love to have a podcast and have you on. And here we are. We have him on. Um, And then the other interviewee is Matt McCann, who's a brilliant young computer scientist who decided to use his computer science degree um, to help him navigate the world, which he was finding just that lack of information arriving somewhere and finding out, oh, actually, no, I can't go in here for various reasons. We have been forced, uh, I guess, as both of them have pointed out, been forced to view the world a little more like a person with, um, you know, mobility issues than we would have in the past. And I, I was thinking of our, um, our first experience of maybe getting a sense of what it's like to try and get around uh, a city with a wheelchair. For many people who have children, your first experience of this is probably when you have a buggy to push around, um, which is clearly not the same thing as having a mobility issue and using a wheelchair. But it does make you recognize how sidewalks are too narrow, buses are not very convenient, there is a step where you don't expect one, and all these things just limit your ability to access services. And I was brought back to the time when you and I had timeshares in a double buggy. It's in the worst designed double buggy ever. I'm think I was trying to think back. I think I might have gotten it on free cycle. Oh yeah, which seemed like a great idea at the time. But yeah, just to explain to listeners, we met on Roller Coaster, the parenting website, which I don't think I've been on for many years yes. now because I think yeah. you go through a roller coaster phase and come out the other side of it. Um, because we were both looking for childcare, didn't have enough money to pay. Uh, a professional so you had the brilliant idea of a childcare swap um but it we hit a we hit a road bump 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I had a brilliant idea that basically nobody else in Dublin thought was a brilliant idea except for you. <laughs> so I don't know what that says. But, um, everybody else was like, who is this crazy person advertising for someone else to swap children with her? Um, but yeah, so we acquired this double buggy, which um, had wonky wheels and was way too wide. And both of us had the joyous experience of plonking two they were less than one at the time, uh, small children into this, trying to get them to go for a nap and realizing just keeping it on the sidewalk was next to impossible because, you know, the sidewalk was too narrow. The, the uh, lamp post would get in the way. The bus stop pole would get in the way. The bumps on, the, you know, where they hadn't fixed the sidewalk. All these frustrations that I think uh, any wheelchair user is well familiar with. Yeah, it was a double buggy that needed two people to push it. I think that was where the doubleness yeah. came into it. It was, it was horrendous. But yeah, we, I mean, they, they, Matt makes a very good point about that kind of idea of life with limitations that, that we are now all experiencing, but that people with mobility issues experience uh, all their lives. And I think we all move through mobility stages as well. I mean, we've encountered it with our buggy years. Um, there's another bookend coming, I suppose, with aging as well, where you may not be as mobile as you might have been before. So uh, it's that changing thing and just making things accessible to everybody makes so much sense. I think you told me that Jonathan thinks Zoom is like the best thing ever. So I felt a bit guilty that I'd been complaining about it, that we've been spending our time on this podcast <laughs> complaining about it when it really does offer a kind of uh, an opening for people. It does. And it's more of a reminder that we're not all experiencing everything in the same way, although sometimes it feels like that, I suppose, because there are so many shared things that are happening globally. But yeah, Jonathan, uh, I began by talking to Jonathan and uh, for him, Zoom is just uh, magic. It saves him so much palaver. He has to be taken in a van with an assistant to go to physically go to a meeting Um, with Zoom. He can just be there. And uh, for him, it's been a life changer. The next thing you're about to hear is not something I've heard anybody say yet in 2020. I do really. I love the Zooming. It's been easy to think that nobody loves the Zooming. So what makes our guest feel differently about those on-screen meetings, the yellow frame and the awkward how-to-leave-the-Zoom face? I'm Jonathan O'Grady and I am a bon viveur and by day a strategy consultant. I have spinal muscular atrophy, which is a genetic muscle wasting condition. I've never walked. Um, I was slightly stronger in my uh, very early days, um, but um, for the last uh, 20 years, uh, have been pretty incapacitated at such an extent that for the last eight years or so, I'm not really able to use my, my hands anymore either. Uh, so, uh, uh, but it doesn't stop me. What it hasn't stopped is Jonathan's ability to enjoy life, to be, as he puts it, good at living, a bon viveur. And one of the places he most enjoys life is at a table in a restaurant, surrounded by friends. In Gevray Chambertown, there's a very smart three-star Michelin restaurant. It had a bistro um, attached to it. Uh, which specialized in a coq au vin, which was kind of slow cooked for about 16 hours overnight in in old Burgundy wine. And, um, oh, 
they were they were good days. I tell you, they. Uh, so it unfortunately ruined me though, because it now means I'm terribly fussy. It's always been my attitude that at the table everyone is equal, and so um, meeting friends and entertaining, whether it's at home or uh, in a nice restaurant in a convivial atmosphere, is a great way for me to uh, socialize. Um, would love to be going for mini marathons or whatever, um, but that's not the way. And so uh, I find that um, you know, inviting friends for a nice a nice meal uh, is a good excuse for them to get out, and uh, and therefore uh, a, a nice way to meet. So that's why I love them. Those places Jonathan loves have been shuttered for much of 2020. But even before the pandemic, the Irish restaurant scene has not been available equally to everyone. Matt McCann is a young computer scientist who got fed up being told one thing about a venue and arriving to find another situation entirely. So my uh, way back when I have cerebral palsy. And so for me, I use a rollator to get around and had found that, um, you know, growing up in Dublin, while it's become a more accessible city, there are still places that I'd want to go to with friends and I'd get there and you know there were steps into the entrance or even you know going on holidays trying to find a hotel that I think the experience that started this would have been back in 2012 around the time of the London Paralympics um I'd booked a hotel said they're wheelchair accessible I get there and there's three steps up to the entrance of it and I realized I knew that this wasn't a problem that just affected me you know it's a it's a worldwide issue of this lack of reliable information um, and so essentially I decided I was doing a computer science uh, degree at the time. I thought I'd put it to good use <laughs> and um, developed out the first um, sort of prototype. And then we should have built it out from there. We've now got sort of Enterprise Ireland funding and, you know, we're, we're five years old at this stage. So how it works is uh, from the user side, you can download an app on the iOS or, or Android stores. and you're presented with a, a map of your local area. And there are pre-populated pins of restaurants, hotels, coffee shops. And you get the option to answer a series of yes or no questions about that place due to physical accessibility, as well as currently now we added in COVID-19 social distancing criteria. So there's a series of simple yes or no questions, like is there a step-free entrance? Is PPE provided to customers and staff? Um, just to, and then that list is then available for anyone else to see um, when they look at the um, at the information. So it's it's crowdsourced, but we're also um, looking at ways that we can add in existing information around the web. So in a lot of ways, there are there is information out there, it just can be d difficult to find. So um, one of the ways we're doing this is is looking at parking, for instance, accessible parking spaces. Um, users can add those themselves as well, just to identify where the wheelchair spaces are. But uh, we're working with the European Space Agency to look at satellite imagery and how we can identify those spaces ahead of time for people. Matt's app is called Access Earth, and it is brilliant to think of the European Space Agency collaborating with an Irish app developer to help people navigate the world more easily. As Jonathan explains, the sourcing of this information from people who live with mobility challenges is a key part of what makes Access Earth work. All information is power, 
But this quality of information is empowering. Being in a wheelchair is a spectrum. Um, we're not all the same. Um, there are people who uh, <coughs> are very uh, mobile in their chairs and um, they friends can carry their, their chair up, uh, let's say, a small flight of stairs, six steps, uh, with relatively little difficulty and um and and so people like that are are able to get into more places than me who uses you know a heavy more traditional electric um style wheelchair that you you might be familiar with you know if you think of something like Stephen Hawking or something like that a quite a quite a jalopy <laughs> and so more than even one step uh, is too much for me. We've all heard the phrase build back better. And as Matt explains, there's a very big business incentive in building back smarter and more accessible. I think it is. There's 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 always a level of education needed. And I think a lot of the um, things that we'd see going into restaurants, say, for example, uh, no accessible bathrooms or, or a flight of stairs up to the bathrooms, it's not through any forethought in this. It's just, it's a, they don't, really understand that there's an opportunity, a market opportunity out there to that by, you know, adopting universal design principles, you you open the door, excuse the pun, to to a much wider market. Um, you know, people with disabilities were the the world's largest minority. There's, you know, one point eight five billion of us now currently and you know spending power of um that's you know that that's the population equivalent to China. And they, we have a collective spending power of more than the GDP of China. So like it's, I think it's about ten trillion to thirteen trillion dollars annually, so it's it's a huge opportunity for for businesses, and I think, you know, even at that, you know, everyone's growing older, and you know, to be able to have a, a, a more open and accessible restaurant is going to be better for business, particularly now in this sort of in the hopefully COVID times, exactly. As a restaurant aficionado, Jonathan has been watching the response to COVID with interest the two metre distances, the better sense we have of who's around us, the stepping back to give people space. It all could be opening up new places for people. Restaurants have got used to, say, uh, making tables be further apart to um, an economic model where that's, where they they're maybe slightly, uh, it's slightly less intensive. And so, Certainly from an access point of view, you know, I can think of a number of restaurants around Stevens Green, for example, to make it very local, um, where uh, even if even if you can get in, um, they, they're, they're trying to sweat the acid so intensely, um, someone in a large wheelchair like myself feels very unwelcome. Um, so simply because, you know... It, Getting to your table, the disruption you cause to the other diners, um, the, the you, you know you stick out like a sore thumb uh, every time someone tries to go past you. They're tripping over your back wheel, or uh, you're catching their coat on a, a part of your chair, or, or whatever. Um, you know, possibly as restaurants uh, start to ramp back up again. Uh, they might think about their layout and their space, and and uh, you know, keep part of you know maybe not not build back so intensely. But 
as I as we have already said in the conversation, so many of them are um, struggling financially. It's going to that's going to be hard to resist. Access Earth's COVID information could play a large part in making people more comfortable going back into restaurants. The app has COVID information on 5,000 businesses across Europe and accessibility information on 110,000 operations. And as Matt explains, the information is more than just the standard guidelines. Well, we, we feel that you know, the, the best people to give these perspectives are the people with the accessibility needs themselves as a means to, like I said, to kind of educate the, the business owner on this, that it's, it's more than just abiding by the building regulations. It's about you know, looking at best practice because building regulations may not necessarily cover things like, you know, table placement within restaurants and things like that. So, but the ideal scenario, and I think that with um, with the, the COVID restrictions within restaurants and the social distancing has actually meant that restaurants are more accessible to, to wheelchair users now. And I know there's a balancing act between, you know, capacity of the restaurant and how to, you know, get as many tables in as possible. But if you make it easy to 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 navigate, like for example, to get to up to the counter, if it's a takeaway place to get up to the counter to order it, you want to have a clear path from the door to the counter and back, which I think has been instituted now that you see a lot with you know takeaway services. They've actually become more cognizant of it through the social distancing. Um and you know I hope to see that some of this um design would continue to be in place in in the post covid recovery phase because it's while it being accessible for everyone it's also more comfortable for say parents with prams coming in with buggies or you know at the christmas period you know tons of shopping means if there's more space around tables you know you don't feel the need you're on top of people um it's hard to imagine a world where we will ever be on top of each other again but it is going to be the big question of 2021 what kind of place we return to and whether we can take the good stuff with us, like better access for everyone, when the economic engines crank up again. We're going to go back to some sort of normality, but the memory of COVID will live long. And uh, it's going to have to mean that business plans you know, will have to be kind of COVID-proof, uh, or as much as they can be, uh, rather than before where it it was seen as uh, impossible. Living through this time has given us a COVID lens on the world. Matt McCann hopes it has also cracked open a better understanding of the challenges some people have faced all their lives. Completely, completely. I think so. I think even when we're in lockdown, I know we're just came out of level five there now, but even the one in March when there was a, you know, everyone stayed at home and there was a level that I think we're seeing this now is that COVID in itself was a social disability and that people were realizing that, oh, I can't go out to the place I would with my friends, to the pub or to a restaurant or whatever. And they're beginning to realize that that's what life would be like for someone with um, mobility needs or, or a disability. So it, it is making people more aware. I think there was a phrase being used um, as well as, you know, it being a greener start it would also be a kinder start you know there's a kindness economy i think is a phrase i've really enjoyed reading about over the past few months is that like you know by treating people as a means to how essentially you want to be treated uh means that you know will will lead to a more um i guess 
compassionate um, society is the hope. A kinder, more compassionate economy, it really is the hope. But it strikes me that Access Earth is only going to get more relevant to people's lives as we crave information about places before we go to them. Does Matt feel like he's in the right place with the right app at the right time? Definitely, definitely. I think now even now we've, we've moved into, say, we primarily work with local authorities and with uh, sports clubs. So with stadiums being, you know, really some of the most inaccessible structures in a, in a built environment. And, you know, while some, a lot of clubs don't have the money to, you know, build a new one from scratch, we're about working with them to work with what they have and make the best. Because it's all about um, information. Right. If they know there's, for example, in a football stadium example, if someone knows what gate to go to and how to get to their seat, that's going to make the experience a lot better for them. And I think, you know, applying that then to to the local authority and looking at their urban design examples, like uh, even looking at Dublin, when the when the cycle paths were put in as becoming more pro cycling and pro public transport, I think as well, if you look at things from an accessibility t- side too, you know, wider footpaths make it easier for everyone. And it's it's not just a case of this is something that you have to do. It it, it, it turns into a better built environment in the beginning anyway. Um, What's the biggest bugbear for you in terms of infrastructure? What is the thing that you just look at and go, why is that there? <laughs> is there one thing that gets your goat? Um, it's, it's surprising, but the amount of, and there's been, it's, it's gotten less, but the amount of like refurbished restaurants that have come in and you'd see an accessible bathroom down a flight of stairs and, you know, or, or you refurbish the restaurant. There's been a few of them that, oh, we haven't gotten to the accessible bathroom yet. It's like, but to me, that should be, especially when they've wheelchair parking, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to to have left that part out of the renovation and for it to be seen as oh it's something we have to do but you know it, and particularly now with changing um changing places you know for the adult changing facilities i think that you know it's more than just having it be wheelchair accessible it, it has to be accessible for everyone and um yeah it's yeah it, it's the accessible bathrooms that's been a, <laughs> an annoyance <laughs> Um. Yes, if your accessible bathroom is down a flight of stairs, it is not accessible. It's time to think about better times ahead. Can Jonathan put his finger on his perfect place and where he'll be dining when those times come? Oh, uh, well, I'm a great fan of I'm Sure, uh, which I've been to uh, a few times now. Um, they look after me so well there. They really, they're, uh, you know, just a charming company. And um, I've, you know, I've, I've had some, uh, you know, some, some great meals there and, and I thoroughly enjoyed them. Um, and I also, uh, you know, I've been to, uh, you know, your Gibos of the world and, and, and uh, you know, a number of the other uh, good restaurants around town and, they're terribly nice, but if I was to um, to really hold up a place, uh, I love my trips to Cork and to Ballymaloo. Um, the food there is is, is sublime. 
and again uh, they treat me very well and uh, and you know it's make make me feel at home so it's always the whole package it's not just the food but uh, being 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 remembered and and uh, welcomed and treated well um and people who kind of appreciate that you appreciate the food um uh, it's not always about you know the cash it's at the end of the day they're they're creating something and for somebody to come along and to really savor it i i think it's reciprocal does matt feel the same way about the quality of life that comes from having a really good restaurant experience completely and it's also a huge a huge part of culture as well i know when i go somewhere new i like to experience culture through its food and you know dublin's no exception if you can't visit its best restaurants because purely because you can't get in the door then you know you're missing out and this is about you know and i think with lockdown and everything it's it's made people realize kind of take stock with what they value within their local area and for it to be made available for everyone and more than ever is 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 much more is so much more important now so much more important but wait a minute Jonathan mentioned three places when I asked him to name his favourite place and the one that he's going to be rushing to book when this is all over. I need to pin him down. I, I'm i going to have to go to somewhere traditional. It's going to have to be starched linen. It's going to be, welcome back, Mr O'Grady. Good to see you. Uh, it's going to be Passover, that very, very, very big wine list. Uh, so thinking about that, um, oh, that's a challenge. I think, no, you're really throwing it now. Let me think, uh, of all, because I'm going to have to stick to this now because invariably they're going to hear, I'm going to, I'm going to get criticized. Uh, in fact, maybe the diplomatic thing to say is, uh, I shall have to. Uh, I'll have to wait and see uh, what opens first. Well, I can really relate to Jonathan's difficulty at the end there of trying to name his favourite restaurant. I, whenever anybody asks me, friend, family, stranger, uh, name your favourite restaurant, I always struggled. I just I could never do it. I think it's because. Um, I have different favorites for different times, but uh, yeah, it's a nice it's a nice way to end. And I think he will find um, a great welcome wherever he goes for his first meal. Uh, Zoom, is it is it opening up universities to more people? Is it, is it going to be a, a big feature as we get out of this, do you think, Juliana? Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, um, on top of accessibility for restaurants, really um, in my world, in, in the academic world, um, the pandemic has really brought home the issue of accessibility, not just because of mobility issues, but even because of economic, uh, mental health, um, you know, location. Uh, so we're just finding that a lot of people are being able to access conferences, seminars, even just classes in a way that they wouldn't have felt comfortable with before. And so we're really going to have to take that on board I think going into the future because I mean you don't want to go back to being less accessible yeah absolutely although I'd say hotel owners around the world are quaking in their boots of that idea all that conference business going online um but yeah it may be and I think I read somewhere that virtual reality is going to make us all 
um, completely immersed in this whole world. But man, yeah, I don't. Love I, I still like real people, so I'm not. I'm not saying I don't want to see real people, or I'm not even saying that people who would like to access conferences don't want to see real people in person. I just think for certain kinds of things. You know, you're realizing that actually the online version is just fine and you can save your, you know, save your money and your time for travel to, you know, limit that to seeing friends and relatives and visiting places you want to go rather than going to a conference, for example. Yeah. Putting your lanyard on and um, yeah. standing around making yeah. small talk. Yeah. Um, the kindness economy that Matt McCann mentioned, I really like that phrase. Um, it's very much my kind of thing. But I was just thinking that um, anybody who's really struggling for the impossible to buy for people in their lives, restaurant vouchers, um, buy restaurant vouchers because bear that in mind. So anyway, on to we need some some bells here, Juliana. I actually have jingle bells. Do you want me to go get one? Okay, oh, one second. Okay. Did you ever think I was going to say no when you asked me that question? No, I didn't. No. I should have brought them in first. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, hold on, hold on. Is that good? Should we... Is that a legitimate bell sound? I don't know if two of them is better than one of them. Maybe one on their own, kind of. Um, I have to work on my... On my... No, no, I probably should have got four with that. <laughs> uh, listeners, maybe. <laughs> I hate to criticize the jingle bells, but I'm not sure they're jingly enough. Oh, anyway. I can't believe you're giving out about my jingle bells. Oh, well. I mean, I don't see you with any jingle bells. I'm just saying. It's true. It's true. You did have them to hand, which is more than I do. I could take the wreath off my front door and have some bells on it. But anyway, well, that's that's our version of Jingle Bells because we are teeing up our comfort and joy feed episode. Get oh, it? very good. Very good. You're always the one with the snappy line. I can't be relied on for that. I think there's the, the academic version of that would be about uh, three sentences. So... <laughs> <laughs> seasonal episode of yeah <laughs> yes we're doing a Christ- christmas extravaganza and we've also got a little christmas gift for you listeners because we're doing an extra episode a mini mini sode mini yeah. episode next, so we've got two well three episodes in a row one week after the next um uh so we've got next week a special episode looking at food waste because Um, Well, the EPA have got their no food waste campaign underway. And also, of course, in the lead up to Christmas, we are all thinking about stockpiling lots of food. And so we need to think carefully about that so we don't end up just uh, throwing a lot of things away. Mm -hmm. Like the pasta and uh, loo roll days back in in March. Yeah, although pasta and loo roll don't expire. So there's that. Eat better than chutneys, which I, I tend to have with that 16 jars of um, yeah. nine months after Christmas. Yeah, ch- chutney, chutney overload. Uh, very much a first world problem. But yeah, so our mini sode is going to look at how to uh, make the best of your food and not waste any over Christmas or waste minimum amounts. And then our comfort and joy feed episode TM, Catherine Cleary, is uh, <laughs> it's just going to be everything. It's going to be like a pulling a cracker and the best kind of things coming out of it. We're going to have, yeah. what are we going to have? Dickens. We're going to have uh, Jane Eyre, possibly. Um, we are going to have... Uh, Little Women. Was it not Little Women? Oh, sorry, sorry. We're, we're going to have both because, uh, yeah, Aoife is joining us. We, we tried to get um, 
Aoife Vernock to find some smutty Christmas dinner for you and she, I'm afraid, has come up short. So she, yeah. I'm going to get my mum to uh, share her amazing Christmas pudding um, recipe and find out a little bit about the backstory of that. Um, I'm going to throw in a, another Christmas cookie recipe and maybe a chat with my dad about being a Jewish man who dresses up like Santa Claus. Excellent. And we're going to squeeze uh, Rory O'Connor O'Gorman into all of that madness and mayhem and tinsel draped um, jingly. We'll get better jingle bells for the... <laughs> okay, the jingle, yeah. I, I'm going to just... I, I, they sound like sleigh bells, Catherine. I think they're... Okay, maybe when, when I hear your recording, it'll be better. But yeah, I'm sure that's it. Yeah, they just sound like cutlery to me. I think. <laughs> exactly, cutlery. Well, that is the sound of the comfort and joy feed, is it not, cutlery? The jingling cutlery and jingling bells. Anyway, um, maybe I'm being completely unfair about the, about the sleigh bells. Uh, so that leaves us with just thanking this week's guests uh, so great thanks to Jonathan O'Grady and to Matt McCann of Access Earth and to Ross Hannon for our music and we'll be with you next week and the week after in our seasonal festive all sleigh bell ringing all jingling uh, comfort and joy feed <laughs> <laughs> no jiggling just jingling <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I give up I give up you go for it I am sorry I've, I've, I've wrecked your buzz now give no I, I had no buzz I'm just I'm not I'm not I'm neither am I good at coming up with the snappy lines nor am I good at delivering them so I think you should just do the outro <laughs> no I disagree I'm going to leave this in because I'm editing this week's episode oh great Thank you for that snappy, snap-tastic, jingling-tastic. And, uh, we'll Not jiggling, jiggling, jiggling. See you next week, folks. <laughs>